Welcome to the Baptist Pulpit. This podcast is designed to introduce to the audience Baptist preachers, both living currently in America or across the world, and also to introduce classic speakers, men of the past. There were Baptist preachers that have inspired men like myself for years to preach the Word of God. And they also, through their preaching, highlight Baptistic principles. Welcome to the Baptist Pulpit. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Today's featured speaker is Pastor Carl Lubin. He is the senior pastor of Bible Baptist Church in Elmont, New York. He was reached through that ministry. The pastor before him, Pastor James Barker, pastored there for 27 years, and he was the founding pastor of Bible Baptist Church. Pastor Lubin was saved under that ministry, then followed the Lord's call to preach. Uh, He received his bachelor's and then his master's in biblical studies. Then he served on staff as an assistant until 2017, and he has been pastor there since July of 2017. Pray that the message today will be a blessing to you as you listen. so much for having me and I trust that you've been hearing from the Lord through the messages and the opportunities for devotions and prayer times. Uh, This morning we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. We're going to jump around a little bit but we're going to start off here in Ecclesiastes chapter number 9. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9 and verse 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10, the Bible says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. This morning I want us to consider this passage of Scripture and others like it. And The title of my message this morning is The Pursuit of Excellence. The Bible says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with Thy might. That means do it skillfully. Do it with excellence. We give God the very best of our ability. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity to study your word, your truth. Thank you that it's reliable, it's dependable, that it's not just the words and thoughts and opinions of men, but it's the very truth that we need to live by. Lord, may our hearts be yielded and surrendered. May the Spirit of God have free course and liberty to convict and work in hearts this morning. Just use me as your vessel, and may you be glorified by all that's said and done this morning, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. We're talking about the pursuit of excellence this morning, and there's an old saying, if something's not worth doing well, it's not worth doing at all. Someone also said, if something's not done right, it's not done at all. 
How many of your parents maybe have told you that one when it comes to maybe cleaning your room and chores like that? I remember when I graduated from college and I joined a youth ministry. It was called the War of Special Forces and Evangelist Jim Van Geldren. I mentioned this to you before. He, uh, we traveled the country each week in a different church and Christian school. And, and that was a great time in my life, just getting a joy for ministry and seeing God really work through me to reach and impact teenagers. And uh, we did a lot that tour. We, were, uh, we had a lot of responsibilities. We were responsible for setting up the games. We were responsible for uh, leading our team. We, we had three teams, the Army Rangers, that was my team, the Navy SEALs, and the Marine Recon. And uh, it, was a, it was a fun tour. We had a lot of responsibilities, preaching and teaching and counseling. And uh, there were also times of soul winning and evangelism and outreach. The goal was to reach the Christian school kids, and in, in that uh, goal, we also want to reach the community. So the last three nights were evangelistic rallies, outreach. And so we'd go around giving out tracts and invitations, inviting the community to come out to those rallies. And most of the time, the churches would prepare gospel tracts or invitations ahead of time, and we'd just grab them and go out in the mornings before school at like 5 or 6 a.m. in the morning, go out, going around running down after teen, teenagers or after school around 3 or 4, we'd go around passing out the tracts. Well, sometimes we'd arrive at the church, and they wouldn't have the tracts ready. Maybe they'd be printed, but they needed to be folded or they needed to be stamped. And it was our job then to get those tracks and invitations ready. And Dr. Van Geldren, he was kind of like a coach for us. It was three of us young men that were traveling then. And he saw sometimes when it was a responsibility that maybe wasn't the most fun, the most engaging activity or responsibility, he wanted to light a fire under us. And he challenged us. He said, you know, you're going to be folding these tracks. We arrived at a particular church. You're going to be folding these tracks and giving out these invitations. But I don't want you to take it lightly. He said, think about this, there's lost teenagers in this community that this invitation or gospel tract could be their first representation of what the gospel is, of what this church is all about. And if you do this sloppily and it's folded incorrectly or stamped incorrectly, their first impression of the gospel and of this church is going to be a poor reflection. They won't come and they might die and be lost forever in hell. He challenged us with that right before we were going to just simply fold a few gospel tracts. And I thought, wow, he's dead serious about this. But he taught us an important lesson that everything we do for the Lord matters, no matter how big or how small. Everything that we do for the Lord matters. It counts. Excellence, someone said this, excellence is to do a common thing in an uncommon way. Sadly, too many Christians settle for mediocrity. And as Bible-believing Christians, we ought to strive for excellence in all that we do because of who we represent. Our text here tells us, do whatever we do with all of our might, with our skill, with excellence. Let's look at some other scriptures this morning. Let's turn to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2 and verse 18. Romans chapter 2 and verse 18, And knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. The Bible has a lot to say of excellence in our Christian lives, and God wants us to approve of the things that are excellent. Let's go to Philippians. 
Let's flip over to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 10. Philippians chapter 1 verse 10 says that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Let's go to chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And so even our mindset, the things that we think about and ponder about. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. And that Greek word that's translated abound is the idea of excellence, of growing in our skill and our abilities, abounding more and more. And God desires for our Christian life that we pursue excellence, that we abound in His will and His plan for our lives. Chevrolet used to have an advertisement for their vehicles, excellence for all. Whether you like Chevy or not, that was their slogan, excellence for all. But what if, can you imagine if their slogan was mediocrity for all? We're just average. We're just the same as everybody else. What kind of a slogan or what kind of representation for a company would that be? Sadly, some Christians, that's what they have over their lives. I'm just content being average. I'm just content with just getting by. I'm content with doing the bare minimum and not doing anything that counts for eternity. Christians, we are called to be excellent for the Lord. Why should we be excellent? Because we serve an excellent God. Psalm 8, verse 1 says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Psalm 148, verse 13, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. We have an excellent salvation. The book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus Christ is a more excellent Savior, who is a more excellent sacrifice, who's given us a more excellent way, better than all the Old Testament laws and sacrifices. We are called to be excellent because of the God that we serve. And as we consider excellence today, it's a reminder that God has something to say about every aspect of our lives. God has something to say about every aspect of our lives. Again, I mentioned before, there's no area of our lives that we can say, well, this is sacred and this is secular, and I'm just going to divide my life into those two boxes. And I don't want to have to think about God when I'm doing things that are secular. And I don't want to, that's not the way it works. Everything in our lives as Christians should be done for the glory of God. So we have this challenge, the pursuit of excellence, because everything matters to God. Number one, this morning, we need to seek excellence in our vocations. Excellence in our vocations. We mentioned yesterday that each of us have different callings. Each of us will have different professions and talents and abilities that God gives us. We have different aptitudes and skill sets, but we all have the same goal. Excellence for the glory of God. All of us in this room, no matter where God leads you or draws you, whatever field of life, 
It's all for the glory of God. We mentioned 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, Whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Even in eating and drinking, we can do it for the glory of God. So, young person, we have a choice to make each and every day of our lives. We can choose to be the kind of Christians that kind of go through life, go to a school that maybe we don't really particularly like, and go to classes and deal with subjects we don't like or enjoy and just give minimum effort and just barely skate by, do our ministry just so that we can check that box and, all right, we did that, read my Bible, I I guess I prayed for that specific amount of time that my parents wanted me to pray, and we kind of go through life doing the bare minimum instead of seizing the opportunities to do our best and bring God glory. You know, there's a lot of people in this world that they, they want to do the least amount of effort for the most amount of recognition. Some of you are going to enter the workforce, so you're going to have coworkers that you're going to notice very quickly they don't want to work. They're at a job, but they have no desire to actually work at that job. They want the paycheck, but they have no desire to actually do their best. I hope you don't grow up to be that kind of a worker. No, you have a chance to be different, to be above average, to be excellent. Not just for your namesake or for your family or for your church, but for the glory of Almighty God. That people can watch and see, look at how they work, look at how they are diligent. What's different about them? Well, they're Christians. They love the Lord. They're serious about living for God. So we had that choice each and every day. And when we make that decision to be excellent, life actually takes on a greater purpose. Because as we said, everything becomes sacred. Everything can be sacred. Even simple chores that you might have to do at home. Maybe you don't have a job where you're getting paid. Maybe you do work a lot, but you're not getting paid for it. Amen. You do all your chores at home and you clean the room, you mow the lawn or whatever chores you have to do. And you can say, you know what, I'm going to do my best because God is watching. I can bring him glory, bring him joy. So we ought to strive for excellence in all that we do. If you go with me to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 5, we see some examples of this in the Old Testament. Daniel and his three friends were taken captive from their homes, sent to a faraway land, a pagan land, and that just happened to be their circumstances where God had placed them. But let's check out what the Bible says about Daniel while he's Here, in this phase of his life, Daniel chapter 5, verse number 11. This is Daniel interpreting the writing on the wall. And you'll remember there was a search for who can interpret this. And the Bible says here in Daniel 5, verse 11, There is a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. They didn't really know how to describe it. In the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom... Like the, wisdom in the God, like the wisdom of the gods was found in him. Whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, I say, thy father made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers, for as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called. And he will show the interpretation. 
I tell our teenagers, most of them go to public school and they're in a circumstance that maybe isn't particularly the best spiritually. They're surrounded by a wicked uh, pagan culture, but they have a chance and you all have a chance. All of us are living in this world. We all have a chance to let our lights shine for the Lord and be excellent. And people take notice of that and people are drawn to that. You know why? They don't see it very often. And this is a great way for us to let our light shine for the gospel In Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, And it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then as Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Young person, no matter how big or how small of a job or responsibility you have, would you strive to be excellent? Would you strive to do your best for the glory of God? Think about King David. Before he became king, God had his eyes on him and he sent Samuel to the house of Jesse and David wasn't even there. He was there tending to the sheep and He was faithful in the little things, obeying his father in the little things. And God saw that was a man after my own heart. That was a man that he would eventually be a shepherd over my people. And David learned the lessons of being faithful in the little things before God could trust him with the big things. And we need to learn that lesson this morning. We need to learn that lesson of how can I strive for excellence now? I'm just a teenager. I don't have a whole lot of responsibilities yet. I'm not married. I don't have a family. I don't have uh, bills to pay. There's not much expected of me. Oh, yes. In this phase of life, you can be faithful in the little things. You can strive for excellence in the small, seemingly insignificant details of life for the glory of God. The typical definition of excellence the way most Americans think of it is competing or being better than someone else that's usually what comes to mind when we think of excellence but excellence is not a quest for superiority we're not comparing ourselves to each other that's not what excellence is about excellence is not about being the best but it's about doing your best It's not about being the best at something, but doing your best. It's not about superiority. It's about doing things for the honor and glory of God. You see, the way we typically think of excellence is really a carnal way, because when we we want to be the best, the focus is on ourselves. But when we simply give the best of what God has enabled us to do, He gets all the honor and all the glory. So we ought to approach life from that mindset for the glory of God, not for man's applause. Biblically speaking, the pursuit of excellence refers to pursuing and doing the best we can with the gifts and abilities God has given to us. Colossians chapter 3 verse 23 says we do everything heartily as unto the Lord. And in that scripture is talking about servants to their masters. Maybe in a position that maybe they don't exactly love or desire to be in, but they can do it heartily as unto the Lord. Think about your parents that they get up and go to work. And do you think they love to just go and spend eight hours a day away from their families and maybe at a job that isn't the best paying with the best? Do you think they just love getting up and doing that? 
But they work hard, don't they? They provide for you. They love you. They help uh, to, to teach you the Word of God. And one day it's going to be your turn to be in their shoes. And you have to develop the right kind of spirit and mindset that we're doing all we do for the honor and glory of God. And we want to, we want to do it with excellence. We want to do it for, so that God would be pleased and glorified with our lives. God wants His people to abound or excel in what they are. That's our inner man. And in what we do, our behavior. He wants us to strive for excellence in our quiet, individual, personal walk with Him that no one can see. But He also wants us to be excellent in the things that people do see and take note of. So we strive for excellence in our vocations. One motive for excellence, I believe, is the imminent return of Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches us that the Lord could return at any moment. There's no prophecy that needs to be fulfilled. There's no event that needs to take place before the rapture happens. It can happen in any moment. It can happen before we leave camp this evening. So one motive for excellence is, you know what? My Lord and Savior is coming back for me someday. And I want him to find me busy serving him, glorifying him. The early Christians, you read the early Christian epistles, they were living in the light of that Jesus could return in their generation. They were waiting for his return, and they didn't just sit back. No, the Bible says they turned the world upside down. They pursued excellence. They obeyed the Lord, and they seized the opportunities to live for God and make a mark for God in their generation. So for us as young people just starting out in life, we need to learn to not just coast by, but to strive for excellence. The measure of your time as a student in school As a child at home, are you giving your best? I'm not asking if you have a high GPA. I'm not asking if you have a high IQ or high SAT score. I'm asking, are you giving your best? Are you striving for excellence? Or are you just content to be mediocre, just do the bare minimum to get by? Why don't we strive for excellence? We don't strive for excellence because it's hard. It's difficult. It takes hard work and diligence. It takes research, study. It takes blood, sweat, and tears. It takes planning. It takes swimming against the stream and going against what our flesh wants to do. It's exhausting sometimes. It reveals our weaknesses. And the pursuit of excellence, we realize we can't do it apart from God's enabling. We come to the end of ourselves and we realize, Lord, I need you. And that's just the way it ought to be. What if this world started seeing Christians that did even the little things with excellence? What if this world started seeing Christians that didn't just want to be average like everyone else, but strove for excellence? So number one, excellence in our vocations, but secondly, excellence in our homes. What do we value in this life? The greatest failure is succeeding at the wrong thing. The greatest failure we can have is to succeed at the wrong thing. There are many people that are quite successful in their business. They're quite successful out in the world, but in their homes, they're complete failures. You read in the Bible, they were servants of God, leaders but they failed in their home. 
men like David, that was, he was a great king, but yet you read about what happened in his family life with his children. Even Samuel, one of God's greatest prophets and leaders, his sons were so wicked that people didn't want to have them go anywhere near leadership. And so excellence ought to be in our homes, and we ought to be mindful that we don't want to just succeed out in the world, but succeed where it counts the most in our own homes, succeed sometimes where it's the hardest in our own homes. Oftentimes, excellence is the battle between not choosing between bad and good, but between choosing the good or the best. Excellence is a matter of choosing the good or the best. That's where we need discernment. That's where we need the wisdom of God. There might be things that are good, but is that God's best for my life? We need to be careful that we succeed at what really counts for the Lord. I remember when I was uh, in college, and I think it was a history class that we were taking, and uh, we would have to read just tons of pages and chapter after chapter, and then there came time for the test. And I was mixed up because I thought the test was going to be on, let's say, chapters 5 and 6. But I only studied chapters 2, 3, and 4. And I studied hard and I worked hard. I went to the study groups and I thought, I'm going to ace this test. And I showed up on test day and I see test over chapters 5 and 6 and my heart just sunk. I thought I was so prepared, so equipped, and I realized, you know what? I'm not ready for this one at all. There are many people that they strive to be excellent out in front of other people, but the people who know them the most, their families, their parents, their brothers and sisters, their children, we fail them. We don't strive for excellence in our relationships that count the most. What if we decided to be an excellent son or daughter at home? To be the very best son or daughter that God wants us to be. What if we started praying for our future, that we wanted to be the best wife, the best husband that God wants us to be? That we don't want to just get by and be average, but we want to prove ourselves to be the very best we can be. What if you as a child at home decided to do things and be obedient to your parents and do things before you were actually told to do them? You know, you do something like taking initiative. You you realize, you know what, trash days every Friday, I might as well go ahead and do it before I'm asked. What a difference that would make in some homes. What if your parents didn't have to tell you two, three, four times, raise their voice, come literally grab you physically and and force you to be obedient? What if you just said, I'm going to be an excellent son or daughter by God's grace with God's help, and I'm going to obey the first time? The first time. You think your parents would learn to trust you more? You think your parents would consider you to be people of character and integrity? Think that might help your relationships with your parents at home? I think so. The most important values are the values that are part of our character. So it's not just what we do, but it's who we are. A lot of times people strive for excellence in sports. I want to be an excellent basketball player or football player. I want to be an excellent baseball player. I want to be an excellent student and get all straight A's. I want to be excellent in my looks and my appearance, and I want to be handsome or pretty or beautiful. But we never learn how to be an excellent Christian and have excellent Christian character. What if you never learn how to get 
excel at that sport or excel at that subject in school, but you develop character, integrity, honesty, trustworthiness. You learn how to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, and you yourself are growing in the Lord and bring others along to follow the Lord. That brings me to my third point this afternoon, is excellence in our ministry. Excellence in our ministry. Someone said, we have become a generation of people who worship our work, who work at our play, and play at our worship. We take our ministry for granted. In Haggai chapter 1, uh, the children of Israel were in captivity, and God allowed a remnant to begin returning back to Jerusalem, and God divinely opened up the door for them to, to return back home and to also begin rebuilding the temple. That was a huge deal because in the Old Testament, the temple represented God's presence, God's favor with Israel. And so now they were to go home and begin rebuilding the temple. And Haggai, in his day, years had gone by since they started returning, and all they had built was just a foundation. All they built was the foundation. They weren't getting the job done. And Haggai challenged them to consider your ways. Because what they were doing while they were back home, while, they, while God allowed them to return back, what they were doing was building nice, luxurious houses. They were being productive in their business. Their business was supposedly booming, and they were making a lot of money, living a nice, comfortable life, while the house of God still stayed in shambles and ruins. And Haggai said, consider your ways. And there are many Christian people that are saved. They claim to love the Lord. They even have that banner in their home. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But are they really serving the Lord? Are we really active in the ministry and getting involved and advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ? Young person, you can pray that Lord will have you to be excellent in your church ministry. All of you can Pray about opportunities in your local church to be excellent in ministry. Do you think your church needs extra help in the nursery, Sunday school, bus ministries, evangelism, discipling? Do you think your church needs some help cleaning up and doing things that maybe aren't even glamorous? You know, one of the things I've learned about being in full-time ministry, it's not always glamorous. Sometimes it's cleaning a lot of toilets, amen? Sometimes it's cleaning up after teenagers that are a little messy, Remember a few years ago, we were driving back. My wife and I were taking the teens to a, a, a youth conference, and we were driving back, and one of the teen boys says, oh, Pastor, I feel sick. He said, okay, all right. And I should have known better, but a few minutes into our drive, all of a sudden we heard the joyful sound, and he just lost it all over the back seat, all over the carpet of our 15-passenger van, and all the girls started screaming, and... My wife started screaming and, pull over. I pulled over and for the next 45 minutes, stopped at the grocery store, got some cleaner. And that was my ministry that morning, was cleaning up uh, one of our lovely teenagers' uh, remains of his breakfast that morning. <laughs> and you know what? I said, you know what? I need to clean this. I could have just easily just sprayed it down and just left it, but that wouldn't have been good with that. We go soul winning in that van. Our church members would have got in. What happened here? What's that smell? But I said, you know, I want to get every bit of this out right now. And sometimes the ministry isn't glamorous. Sometimes it's not something that's everyone's jumping and chomping at the bit to do. But it just needs to get done. 
Do you think your pastor has needs that there are some things that just need to get done and there's not enough people that are willing to do it? Wouldn't it be amazing if some teenager said, I'll do it. I'll step up to the plate and I'll do it with my best for God's honor, for God's glory. Excellence in our ministry. The book of Hebrews tells us that by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. We think of that story of Cain and Abel, and God had respect for Abel's sacrifice, and it wasn't because he liked Abel's personality more than he liked Cain. It wasn't because he, he just was playing favorites. The Bible says he had respect in the Abel's sacrifice because Abel's sacrifice was by faith. We talked about faith a little bit last night, that faith is not just wishful thinking. Faith is based on what God said taking God at his word and living by it. And that's what Abel did. That's what God honored. And so we can take whatever God has asked us to do in ministry. Say, Lord, I'm going to do it with faith, with excellence, so that you can be glorified and pleased. I'm going to be obedient to you. I'm going to do it with my all, my, all of my heart in it. The Lord Jesus Christ taught his disciples in Matthew chapter 5, 41, to go the extra mile to not just do the bare minimum, but going the extra mile. And so that means I'm going to be excellent in my appearance, in my convictions, in my standards, in my beliefs, how I conduct myself, because I represent the King, the Savior. I'm going to be excellent in all that I do in my interactions with my friends. I'm going to be careful to maintain a good godly testimony. I'm going to strive for excellence in my youth group to keep the Spirit of God fresh and not quenched. I'm thankful that we were in the service Sunday night and even the singing this, uh, this week has been such a blessing. And some of you have a lot of talent and ability. Some of you don't. Just kidding. But seriously, many of you, you're talented, you're gifted. Keep holding that craft. Keep working at it. All for the glory of God. If I'm not supposed to compare, I'm not supposed to look at my friends and measure up to then, that's not the standard. Then how do I know excellence from mediocrity? How can I tell the difference in my life from excellence and mediocrity? And you just know it when you see it. You just know it when you see it. You know, in, in our area in New York, it's a very hustle and bustle uh, city and metropolitan area. And one of the things my wife had to adjust to moving from out of town uh, into New York is the, the fact that People aren't always the friendliest, and customer service isn't always up to par. And sometimes you walk into a store and you ask for help. It looks like you're interrupting someone. They, you know, you walk in, hey, can I help you? What do you want? Isn't it your job to help me? Am I taking you from something else? And, and they kind of take you to the store, and they're just kind of looking upset, and they can't even help you. And you just kind of realize this isn't good customer service at all. And my wife gets so frustrated. She still gets frustrated at that because there's a lot of bad customer service in New York. But then it's a difference when you actually meet someone that says, yeah, I'm happy to help you. I'll show you. It's right here. They got a smile on their face. They say all the right things. They're even in, by their appearance, they're sharp. It's such a contrast. You just know excellence when you see it. And God knows it when he sees it. And he's watching and he's looking. He deserves our best. He doesn't deserve our junk. He doesn't deserve mediocrity. He doesn't deserve just the table scraps of our lives. He deserves the very best of our lives.
The reality is as finite, weak, limited human beings, none of us ever arrive to the place of perfection. This pursuit of excellence is a lifelong pursuit. Even the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, he admitted, I haven't arrived. I'm still reaching forth. I'm still pressing toward the mark. And so should we. So because of who we are in Christ, because of God's enabling grace, we ought to strive for excellence in all that we do. The power for living an excellent life is found in our excellent Savior, Jesus Christ. We trust in Him and His enabling grace. He gives us the passion. He gives us the drive to keep pressing forward to the finish line for Him. If you turn quickly with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. Philippians 2 verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, and not as, as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Notice he didn't say work for your salvation. He said now that you've already been saved, your salvation needs to be worked out. Notice you do it with fear and trembling. It's dead serious. But then look at verse 13. For it is God. It's all about God. Everything begins with God. Everything ends with God. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. So right there we see divine initiation. It begins with God. You say, preacher... I'll be honest, I don't have the desire to do things with an excellent spirit and pray and ask God to give you that desire. It is God. He's the one that gives us the will, the, the desire to begin with. And then secondly, divine enablement, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God has prepared for your life and for my life exactly what he wants us to do. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says that there are good works that God has prepared for our lives. And I really believe this with all my heart, that there, are, there is a life of faith. There is a life of good works that God has prepared for each of us, and we can miss out on that by our unbelief, by our disobedience, by just settling for mediocrity. We can miss out on that. I don't want to miss out on all that God has for me. I don't know about you. I want to seize every opportunity I have to live for God and to please God. May the Lord help us to strive for excellence. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Pulpit. 2 Timothy chapter 4 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We pray that through the challenging preaching of the word of God today, that you will be encouraged to stay faithful in preaching the word and hearing the word. Lester Roloff many years ago said, the world's greatest need is preaching preachers. Let's pray that in this day and this hour, we will stay faithful 
to the preaching of Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening to The Baptist Pulpit.